0: I'm Christian, and welcome to the Jamois Leadership Podcast, a show where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemouir International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast. Today we are talking about business strategy, and I'm very excited that we have a special guest on the show today to help us do that. Our guest is Neil Coz, founder and chief executive officer of Geotab, the world leading provider of connected mobility technology and software. Geotab connects over three million vehicles to the internet with an increasing focus on electric vehicles and advanced data analytics. Welcome to the show, Neil.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Christian. Good to be here. I'm excited to have the conversation today.
0: Wonderful. We're very excited. So Neil, before we dive into our topic, and again, we're very excited, could you please tell us a bit about yourself and Geotab? And since we're on the topic of strategy, can you tell us how data has changed and continues to change modern business?
1: So Geotab, a little bit about myself. I was originally born in South Africa, immigrated to Canada in 2000, uh, where we started Geotab really in the basement as a family business to help the family come into Canada and get started. and really, we focused on data, as you mentioned, and really the collection of data for for fleets, and then helping fleets understand that data and, and make use of that data. Um, so the company today is the largest telematics company in the world. We have three point one million vehicles that we connect for for our commercial fleets. Um, this means around forty four thousand customers and two thousand three hundred employees. We're headquartered. Here in in Oakville, um, Ontario, and uh, but we have offices really you know all over the world, um, and as you mentioned before, you know the data side of things is really the future of Telematics, future of the company, um, and really it is about you know you can't manage what you don't measure, and so often you know you hear from you know business leaders and owners that their feed is great, it's working well um they don't have any problems. And then you say, well, you're measuring, or you do know, would you know whether you have problems? And that's where things get interesting. And you, know, you put the devices in, you measure, you start understanding how your fleet operates, the opportunities to you know, improve the way vehicles work, you know, maintain them better, make sure that they're in the right places at the right time. And all of a sudden, this massive opportunity to have a safer uh, environment for, for, for the people to make sure that the vehicles are more efficient, um you know to reduce your carbon footprints to save money in terms of you know being more optimal in the way you operate so you know that's really kind of at the core what we do and and how we think about things
0: wow thanks neil that is again fascinating interesting a lot of growth and a lot to talk about so to get us into the conversation we also have on our podcast today our regular leadership expert dirk he's on the show and to provide full disclosure dirk and You, Neil, you've known each other for a long time and worked together for a long time.
1: That's right. I mean, Dirk um, has been on our board right since the beginning and been a little bit of mentor to to myself and uh, the rest of the board to help us in our scale I mean Dirk what uh, how many people were in the company when when
2: you first joined and how many you know compared to what it is today that's right yeah, I've heard there were 50 people now it's well over two thousand I think twenty three hundred amazing amazing growth over over that time yeah
1: yeah fantastic yeah. so dirk you've really helped us through that uh, growth you know fifty people to to two thousand three hundred you can imagine the challenges the opportunities. Um, you know, Dirk came from a much larger company, had lots of experience, um, you know, with, with larger companies and, you know, had to advise the little geotab on you know, what needed to be put in place to help us kind of get there. So, you know, we really appreciate what you've done for us, Dirk.
2: Hey, thanks. Thanks
0: wonderful that that's great to hear and it's great to hear that on the podcast dirk you're not all talk you actually have some experience so that that's good for people to hear i think so all that said which is wonderful dirk since you know neil and the company and the industry why don't i let you ask the questions today
2: yeah, sounds sounds good. And uh, thanks again for the for the kind comment uh, comments. And so so Neil, I know um, uh, very well actually that you're you are uh, an engineer uh, at heart, but uh, uh, as an entrepreneur and a business leader, you also must be uh, a strategist. And and that's really the aspect we want to would talk talk about uh, today. And and strategy uh, at its core is to think longer and broader in addition to uh, the here and now, but the here and now, of course, also super important. And, and so I'd like to talk to you uh, uh, about both. And so my first question would be, do you see a conflict between long-term and short-term and how have you managed the tension uh, between the two? And so what kind of things then do you think about when you when you here long-term?
1: So this is a really good question and one that <clears throat> I do think about quite often. Um, So I think that obviously somebody can be short-term focused and the only thing they care about is where am I going to make my next dollar, right? So, um, you know, uh, there's lots of problems in the business world to solve. There are problems everywhere. There are opportunities to make money everywhere, right? And so there's, there's no lack of willingness to do stuff. Lots of companies have got, oh, if you could solve that for me or if you could help me improve that, I would, you know, pay you money. So that's, there's no shortage of that. Now, on the other side of the equation, you have the long term. And the long term is kind of predicated on really where you believe the world is going to be in five to 10 years. So you've got to be a little bit of a futurist. You've got to be, you know, somebody who has some really overall understanding of how the world works, you know, the economics, you know, what drives the world, what's, what's important to people. And then, You got to forecast a little bit about what is going to be important to people in five to ten how much is what is not going to change and what is materially going to change right and then you have this kind of mental model of what the world is going to look like in the future and then you say well if the world looks like that what would i need to be doing to be valuable in that world that's going to be there in five years time or ten years time and that's the long-term strategy right so you get two you know, different kinds of entrepreneurs. You'll get the entrepreneur that's going to go, listen, I'm about, you know, making money, you know, I hate to use the term, but I'm a hustler and I will find a way to, you know, make some money and get the job done. And then you have the other ones that are kind of the visionary, which sits, you know, right at the end going, listen, I want to be, you know, I want to be an Elon Musk or I want to change the world in some way. And, and they sit on the other spectrum. Now, the problem is that both of those are wrong unfortunately and as you mentioned there's tension between the two and, and how do you relate to this I, I don't really think of it as much tension as in you can imagine it as a ladder right and so what, what happens is the ladder when you get to the top of the ladder you're at that vision so you've got to set that vision you've got to be able to imagine you know that that high vantage point where you've succeeded and you've ultimately you know got to your tenure vision of what the company is going to be but you have these rungs along the ladder that you need to climb up. You're nobody today, right? You're starting at the beginning and you're absolutely nobody. And these rungs allow you to kind of climb up this ladder kind of step by step. The problem is, if there are two or three rungs missing on the ladder, you'll never be able to get to the next part of the ladder. And that's the real challenge. Now, you could almost think of it as a winding path, right? So, you know, you know, ultimately on the other side of the forest where you want to get to. And there's, you know, 15 different paths Every at every step through the journey that you can take. And what you have to be able to do is look at those paths and go, this path is gonna take me way away from the direction that I need to go into, Whereas this path takes me a little bit off the direction that I wanna go, but I feel like I can get back onto the main path. Mm-hmm. And that's the path that I need to go. and um, because the, the main route is blocked. And and I think that's the way that I look at it is, especially in the beginning, unfortunately, you don't have a lot of leeway to say, I'm sorry, I'm not accepting that business because it really is too far from what my ultimate goal of taking the company is. You don't have that luxury. You need to pay salaries and we're starting this, this business. So uh, I got to, you know, especially right in the beginning, you, you got to do what you got to do to survive. But then as you get a little bit you know you build up that 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 war chest you have a little bit more money in the company a little bit more bandwidth you can handle you can weather the storm a little better now you can be a little bit more prescriptive about saying hold on that's too far off my path i'm not going to take that business but i'm going to find business that just keeps me on the path and so i think ultimately you know, the bigger you get, the more you can keep focused on that path. But yeah, that is that tension you talk about between between short and long term. And it's something that entrepreneurs need to grapple with and think about all the time.
2: And yeah. hey, uh, great. Uh, thanks a lot. And I, I think it was interesting when we when we talked about the long term, you didn't just talk about the market, the customers, the competitors, you really talked about the big things, and, and those would be big changes uh, that relate to society, technology, economics, environment, and, and how those really have an impact on, on strategy. And so, so could you give us some example of the, the big changes that you have seen and that you see and, and, and how you as an entrepreneur and how Geotab would have responded to those and factored really those into the strategic thinking?
1: Yes, for sure. Um, I'll give you a couple of anecdotes. So maybe the first one was when we are, when, when, when we arrived in Canada in 2000, I think by 2003 or 2004, I remember um, attending um, a conference down in the US and we had a booth up and, you know, being a diligent entrepreneur, I was behind the booth and I was working hard representing the product. And I remember a CEO of some big company. I wasn't even familiar with all the, you know, big companies then, but, you know, may have been somebody like PepsiCo came up and was the CEO of the company and goes, Oh, this technology looks interesting. What do you do? And I said, Well, we you we monitor the vehicles and the fleet and the driver behavior. And he and he looks and he goes, Oh, that's interesting. He says, but I don't spy on my drivers. And he turned around and he walked off. Right. And I remember thinking at the time that that it does feel a little bit like spying, right? Because you know it's monitoring right and 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 you've got to put yourself in that world that existed back in 2000 2003 it, it's very different today there's a lot of acceptance today that you know whether i like it or not i mean we live in a world where when i walk down the street there's cameras there's cars with cameras in them there's every time i go into google you know, my, my data is, you know, you know, we trust Google, but uh, my data is being shared with third parties and apps that I install on my phone. There's a, there's a lot more monitoring and I get benefit from it. And obviously there's dangers associated with it, but there's much more acceptance of the fact that this is the world that we live in. And so even back then, you know, you had to ask yourself the question of going, well, would society ever accept the fact that we're gonna put devices in vehicles and know where the vehicle is, right? And I think we've come a long way to saying, that know that, that there's that the benefits are where the, the costs and yes we have to be cautious that the, the benefits are there so that's an example of saying yikes So we're in the wrong business right from the get-go this is never going to work so you know we could have made a big mistake so that's one example another good example would be the impact of the cloud and this is where you know kind of my technical background becomes more important so you have to you know you have to be that kind of societal expert and be you know a bit of a psychologist and maybe an economist and You know, you have to think about those elements, but you also have to understand the technology to get that piece right. So back in this world of 2000, you know, nobody was prepared to give their data, you know, first of all, they weren't happy that the fact that you, you were monitoring data in the first place. But the second point was, they would never give it to a third party. There's no way I'm going to put it in a cloud environment, what, and have some other person, you know, I can't see it, touch it, hold it. And you know in those days we used to provide software that you have to install inside your own company and you had to set it up and the data never came to geotab it was was outside of our control we wouldn't be allowed to touch it and seeing again the world move away and realizing that the benefits of the cloud are far greater going to outweigh the costs, right and that people will start getting used to the idea that they can trust a google or they can trust a geotab and the fact and at the fact that trust is going to be the defining thing that determines the winners from the losers that the companies are going to say i am going to go with geotab because i actually trust what you do with my data and how you're going to look after my data because I know that I can't house it all myself and I can't get the benefit if, if, if I just keep the data. So those are a couple of examples that, uh, you know, there to share how that works.
2: Yeah. No, no, Neil, a great example. I remember that. So I was around at that time and I, I came very much from an analog environment. And and when you told us we're moving to the cloud, I, and you explained to me what it meant, I thought, wow, who would do that? And and so and here we are, and 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 it really has become the the accepted standard. And I think is a, a fantastic example of technological change, but also attitudinal societal uh, change that you've uh, given us here. And 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 so. Um, want to pick up on that, but also on something you said earlier, that there is the approach to, hey, I have my business, I'm looking at how I can make money, and as you said, nothing nothing wrong with it, that's where it starts, right, if you don't have customers, you're not making money, you don't have a business, but 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 then comes the idea of 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 purpose, why are we really here, what is the difference that our enterprise is, is making, and so that becomes then part of the strategy discussion as well, and you mentioned that earlier, but maybe we can go back a little bit on that, the idea of purpose again how you think about it how you think about geotab what are we here how are we contributing how do you how do you think about that uh, idea of purpose and again you mentioned earlier how do you balance it against uh, financial financial success of the business yeah so
1: i mean I, I do and i think like like most entrepreneurs you're looking for opportunities in this world where you believe you can make money right so there's a million things that are coming up as i said before any company that has problems or you know opportunities you know you can be there to help them solve it now um you do you do see many things that come up in society where you can make money but it comes either at the expense of somebody else so some kind of arbitrage where the money that you make is going to come at the cost of somebody else right or The money that you make has a lot of downsides, right? Maybe you go and open, you know, a coal mine and you go, I'm going to produce electricity through coal, right? So you can follow path A and you go, well, coal's the cheapest thing right now. I'm going to go and do that. Right. Or you can say, Maybe I'm going to go a different route. Maybe I won't make as much money in the short term. But I fundamentally believe that. You know there is an existential threat around climate so i'm going to focus more on green energy and i'm going to look at alternative ways of 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 um, you know uh, making energy and i'm going to go and focus on other areas and you have a choice to make in life and i think that you've got to make those choices you know maybe right at the beginning because once you kind of sit on a path it's very hard to then go oh i'm down the wrong path i need to go somewhere else and right in the beginning i think that we have always had a passion around know what tenematics can do so you've got a little bit of negative on the one hand which is oh that spine that we talked about in the beginning right which was ah but then you look through it and you go ultimately you know you can't manage what you don't measure and if i can save some lives because we can help people drive more safely or we can help companies save money because we can make them more efficient. And everybody wins because, you know, the driver's not caught in traffic or he's not going on a silly route that takes him, you know, all over the the country instead of the most efficient route to get from A to B to C, right? Um, You know, or we can help most importantly now, the world take their fleet of vehicles and become more green by electrifying their fleets and showing them which vehicles can be electrified and which ones can't be electrified. These are, you know, profound things. And I think that, you know if you can combine you know your ability to to have a business and make money with the these goals that are truly benefiting society. I think you know you can wake up every single morning and you can go, this is this is this is not just about me making a little bit of extra money so I can go on a holiday or you know buy a new car or something. This this has a purpose beyond me. And this is what drives me. You know, I always say at this point when you kind of sit. Um, and and one day you know you're in your bed hopefully it's your own bed at home and not a hospital bed or something and you know this is probably the end right and you're coming to the end you you think back on your life and you go you know have i left this world you know a better place than when i came into it you know and and i think that that's what what's going to run through your mind is going you know i really did everything in my power to make sure that this world is better in some way shape or form um, you know, not all of us are always in a position to make a big impact. And, you know, I really hope that one day when, when I'm in that situation that, that we feel good that JTAB has made some impact. But, you know, you have these choices. I do think that, you know, it's not one or the other. You don't have to go. I, um, it's money and, and having, you know, looking after my kids and making sure, you know, they have a good home and, 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 and all the people that work at JTAB you know giving them a livelihood it's also about what you can do for the greater goods of society and i think you can have both i truly do believe you can have both
2: yeah and and you know that that's good and and interesting and and thanks for sharing a little bit of a uh if you will uh philosophical view of business or your your personal philosophy on on business and uh, let's take it from there though a little bit into uh, the trenches also, because business is tough. We ha- we have competitors. We have we have we have people who who you know, as you're saying, have a, a maybe a, a, a very competitive view of of business. We're competing for the same customers, and so even though we have the grand purpose, we, we, we also have uh, that dynamic uh, going on. And and if we relate that to 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 strategy, there are really two. Two schools, or two many different schools of thought on strategy, but two I want to want to just just pick out here, and and one of them is really that emphasizes the the core capabilities of the firm, competitive differentiation, and gaining an advantage over other uh, industry players, and and the other one acknowledges the reality of of competition, uh, but is more focused on collaboration and and how different industry players can can work together to make the the pie bigger, so to speak, before thinking about how do we uh, divide and fight over pieces of of, of the, uh, uh, the pie. And again, I think both have uh, uh, their place. And I personally have worked in both environments, one much more competitive, the other one much more uh, collaborative, both equally successful, uh, by the way, in industry-leading firms. But which one would be more in line with your thinking, if you think about those two bookends, again, collaboration and, and competition?
1: Yeah. That's a good question. I think, um, you know, I, again, it's a little bit of a compromise. There's a little bit of a middle spot that you have to find yourself. So, you know, I, I am a sportsman and I understand, you know, getting on the sports field and competing hard and really working. I also understand, you know, team sports where you have a bunch of people together and you have to, you know, work you know, hand in glove and, you know, successive the team is what what this is about and not the success of the individual. So, you know, you can kind of think think about those as kind of, you know, mirrors of what we talked about here. I do would say though that our model, and I, I'm not going to claim that it was a model that the Jits had invented because it certainly wasn't. I would say that our model is very much taken over the Silicon Valley um, technology model, which I've actually seen it evolve. Like I was, you know, way in this in the space a long time ago and i saw you know microsoft the anti-competitive stuff that happened with microsoft i saw microsoft go through this kind of evolution and i saw the success of open source software and really you know the rise of linux that literally now is embedded in virtually every cell phone every environment so it's, it's really completely taken over and i remember dreaming and thinking Imagine one day if this would take over and then just seeing the momentum and saying, this is going to work, this really is going to happen. And then it got me thinking about how the models look. And I've seen Silicon Valley, the tech companies actually change their models to being much more focused on individual competition, squashing the enemy, stamping everything out, controlling, um, you know, every aspect of the technology to one of absolute collaboration. And Really, there's a saying that we say at Geotab all the time, and that is rising tides lift all boats. And if you look at some of the most successful, you know, models in the world, tech tech company models in the world, you will find that they're based on this philosophy. If you even think about your iPhone, or you think about, you know, you know, the, the Google uh phones and, and the Google Play Store and the App Store, these stores are created where you know hundreds of thousands of companies have millions of apps on these stores. Making billions of dollars, right? And uh, it's Apple and it's Google that are really providing kind of the infrastructure. But it's 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 rising tides. It's helping that entire ecosystem develop and grow and 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 beca- creating a new industry in, in in a sense. And I do think that if you want to be game changing, you cannot be all things to all people. And that collaboration is vitally important. And it kind of comes from an academic viewpoint, right? If you think about the academic view it is we go to university and we read an enormous number of papers these papers were built from people who wrote the papers in, in years prior and they built their, their their papers upon the papers that were built by years prior to them and the foundation of all academia is based upon standing on the shoulders of giants and learning from one another and building on top of what we've got and i fundamentally think that that is something that needs to be in place for business. And um, that's why as part of our philosophy, listen, you, you have to be accountable, you have to be competitive and you have to want to win. Like right? there's no excuse for that, right? But you can still do it together. And there is this com- concept of coopetition where and many of our partners, we compete and we're partners with and that's completely okay we have to get away from this idea that i hate you because i'm competing with you it doesn't work like that we can you know we can work together in the sense and we can compete and competition is healthy for the consumer at the end of the day the person using the products they need that competition and let's compete and my attitude is always if you have a bunch of smart you know hard-working people and you find that you know you're being out competed in a certain area it's okay Somebody else is better at doing it for whatever reason, they've got a different approach, a better philosophy. Let's find something else to do. There's so many problems to solve in this world, we can just pivot a little bit and go and look somewhere else. So you know that, that's kind of I think how how we we look at it.
2: So Neil, when you said standing on the shoulders of giants, I saw Christian the historian uh, nodding, nodding along here. That's what he spends much of his time doing.
0: With my name mentioned, why don't we jump in here with a pause? Everyone, thank you so much for listening to the first half of our conversation with Neil because It's been fascinating. I hope you learned a lot. And I hope that you will turn into our next episode where we continue the conversation unlike normal editions where you have to wait the two weeks the next episode part two to this conversation has already been uploaded so if you got this far please go back to the main screen of our page wherever you found this podcast and already uploaded will be the second half to this conversation look forward to being with you there